if you ever fall out of touch with music, you need to find a song like that for you. That's my song that brings me back to there's something. Every time I watch it, I feel the same way. Like, it touches me way, way. I get goosebumps talking about, thinking about, you know, a, a song that somebody played in a park 51 years ago, probably. Podcast here, uh, Sean Clark, Dave Griffin from Waycross, Georgia. And we've got our guest Jason Chancy here, a good friend of ours. Hey guys, written a couple songs with Jason, and uh, he's a local working musician like the rest of us. And uh, that's kind of what our podcast is about. We're calling it something in the water. Take one. <laughs> I guess between the three of us, we have got a lot of musical experience, right? Mm-hmm. I know I've been playing since my first band almost 50 years and two of y'all what I've been, I've been playing on about 30 years on and off you know yeah. a little pause for a kid here or there but um <laughs> you know i went to high school with sean so he's always been playing so he was like the third best looking chick in our high school <laughs> long hair skinny mm. i've seen the pictures <laughs> um he is hot for sure. Um, <laughs> so we've uh, ri- co-written songs you know, together. Yeah. All three yeah. of us. All have, of us uh, have. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, how many songs do you think you've written all together, Dave? Oh God knows. Uh, I got a big old book. Um, I well into the two uh, hundreds, three hundreds, probably. I don't know. They ain't all good. Every time I come around, you've written like three more songs. That's yeah, like, but they ain't all good. <laughs> yeah, but man, I'll, I'll write like two a year or something. <laughs> no. Yeah, y'all, I, I've always admired y'all as far as y- your songwriting and everything. Y'all kind of turned, made me turn a corner back in the, uh, I guess it was around... Uh, 90s or early 2000s it was when uh, we all kind of uh, gravitated toward one another and uh, it was it was y'all that kind of inspired me to turn a corner in my I, writing and I feel the other way because once like I found out about you I was like well hell I got to step it up you know like damn, well, that's, that's the beauty guy. of it that's that's the, the thing about it is uh uh, we're not in competition, but you know, it, it, you were the subliminally first. Subliminally, it is. It's all always competition. You know, you were the first one that I, that wasn't my age that had been doing it. Like I'd, I'd never known of anybody outside of. You know, I was gone since I was eighteen, so it was about twenty one, twenty two when I met you through Graham, right? My nephew Graham, <clears throat> Graham Griffin, who was. Uh, Named after uh, 
Well, his name's David Graham Griffin. He was named after me and Graham Parsons. Mm -hmm. So, and Graham Parsons is from the town that from Waycross, where we live. So something we, in the water, <laughs> um, right here in Waycross. So you guys kind of eventually, once y'all started being fans of each other, you you wound up doing the New Anglers record together, oh Blood, Blood yeah. in the Pines, which is yeah. by the way one of my favorite records of all time. Seriously, <laughs> even at times where I maybe haven't, you know, me and Sean haven't gotten along, I still like that record. We weren't know. getting along. <laughs> uh, it was about twelve years there after high school. <laughs> we didn't hate each other. It was just, you know, it was kind of weird. You know, when you're both musicians at high school, it's like everybody likes and hates each other at the same time because it's all I, based on girls. I you got, know? I got a lot of hate in high school. <laughs> well, you know, but we, yeah. we shared a home room together. Oh yeah, for sure. So. I didn't realize this about y'all, that y'all were high school yeah. classmates. Yeah, we were... Uh, Chancey and Clark right there in the same homeroom. Yeah, we were dipping our spoons in the same teacups. So. We, we were both friends with Jill Saracella. Mm. I, I always... Super tried. awesome. Super yeah. awesome. I always tried, I always thought we were cool. We were cool. <laughs> I mean, we just weren't, you know, I mean, it was just that, you know... What was it, Jason? I don't know. I don't well, know I what know, it was. I didn't know it was, was high school. It was high school. It was high school. You know, like yeah, you know, people are not sure of themselves at that age. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I think it was just a one step removed thing. Like, like Rick dated my ex girlfriend, and you were like Rick's roommate. So, at some who's point. Rick? Bennett. Rick Bennett. Rick Bennett. Okay, the owner of uh, Twin Earth Records from right here in Waycross, Georgia. Yep. Some fine, fine stoner rock music. A lot of music has come from this town, hasn't it? For sure. Look at it. Look at it. But, I mean, there's always been a friendly competition, but then, you know, as the world has changed around us, I think we've we've kind of embraced each other a lot more, you know, over the years. So, um, yeah. Well, that happens. And uh, old David here starting the damn Grand Parsons Festival, Grand yeah. Parsons Guitar Pool. Yeah, uh, that's been going on 23 years now. We're fixing to yeah, uh, enter into our 23rd year of the Grand Parsons Guitar Pool, which blows my mind a little bit. I was a young man. Blows my mind that I started. played every one of them. <laughs> you had played every one of them. You were there in 1998 in the backyard under the pecan trees. I wouldn't miss one. With uh, gravy? Was it gravy? Yeah, it was gravy. And uh, it was the first day I met Tony Case, and he came over playing the guitar. Yeah. Awesome guitar player. Yeah, I think John Smith was there playing drums. It was so unlike what it is now. I mean, it was very casual. Uh, we had uh, a PA system and drums and amps set up on the back patio, and everybody yeah. just kind of floated across it at their own pace, and uh, it was beautiful. It was great. It was what I'd, it was supposed uh, to be. I'd played, you know, backyard, backyard parties or whatever through high school and whatever, but that was, when you threw that, it was like, man, this is the coolest thing I've ever been, ever been a part of in Waycross, you know. And that was just a house party, and that's why it turned into what it did. You know? Yeah, well, I made myself put first annual on the little flyer that I sent out. Because I said, if we're going to do it once, we're going to do it twice. I remember you said that, too. <laughs> but tell, them the, uh, tell us the reason why you stopped 
having it at your house. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was 98 was the first year, so in uh, 2001 was the fourth year in the backyard. And uh, there was about 200 people that showed up to the house that night. <laughs> I was totally unprepared for that, but uh, uh, welcomed it nonetheless. I mean, it was great. Uh, and uh, by the end of the night, the law was closing us down. And uh, I woke up the next morning, there was like uh, eight dirty footprints in my bathtub. Uh, and uh, I thought, two different ones. Okay, uh, it must, uh, it's time for a change. So at that point, we looked at everything and, and decided, well, the guitar pool is popular. We know that, but we can't have it at my house anymore. Uh, so in 2002, we moved it into the public and started having them. We started out at Little Nights, a uh, local honky-tonk, and uh, that was our first uh, uh, headliner. We had uh, Walter Regan and the Brooklyn Cowboys. Yeah. And uh, I think... Uh, and, and that was pretty cool. That, you I, were there as well because yeah. you played every one of them. I remember that was through the years. one of the first time you had a headliner, headliner yeah, that was like, oh, yeah. there's some people coming that yeah, and, had and, something and, to do and, with it. And it was not so casual anymore. It was like, okay, we're doing this, and there's going to be a band to start at five, and there's going to be another band to follow and another band. And it, was, uh, it took on uh, a little more organized and uh, now here we are 23 years later and it's a big outdoor festival at the fairgrounds in Waycross and uh, like uh, 30 bands over the weekend with big headliners, big name headliners. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to have, have seen it grown from just uh, a small idea to what it is now. Mm -hmm. Ralph Stanley. Yeah, Ralph Stanley, Leon Russell. Marty Stewart. Charlie Leuven, Marty Stewart, Jim Lauderdale, Ian Dunlop. Elizabeth Cook. Uh, we're running out of... Uh, we're running... <laughs> yeah. Daniel Romano. Daniel yeah. Romano. Thank you, Dave, for Daniel Romano. Yeah. It changed a lot of our, our ways of thinking about music, what yeah. can be done in the modern era. Daniel so. Romano is a Canadian artist, if, if you've not... Uh, heard yeah. of him uh remarkable he's amazing he's a chameleon he he changes uh genres he changes way. colors <laughs> yeah. and they're all good he's he's a genius <clears throat> but uh it's been fun it's been fun and i'm i'm a as as big a fan of all of these daniel romanos and and uh, all these other people as well. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I, I, I'm just as big a fan of them as y'all are. What are y'all listening to these days? What's the what's the mm. newest thing you're listening to? Like most modern to most classic? 
Oh, goodness. Mm. I'm watching a lot of stuff on YouTube, uh, documentaries and stuff, trying to get back. Oh, I got something to talk about. Um, Steve Winwood was one of the latest documentaries that I watched, which was very entertaining. That's funny because I've been listening to um, Live on the Road by Traffic, which was filmed in, or not filmed, it was recorded in Germany. I've got listening to that on vinyl. And uh, David Hood, Patterson Hood's mm-hmm. dad from yeah, Drive By Truckers. He was a dr- Muscle Shoals bass Muscle player. Shoals. He plays on that. Mm-hmm. He it's plays fina- it's yeah. phenomenal. And through that, it got me back to a song um, that I'm not a religious person. I don't have, you know, I don't really get into spiritual stuff, but Blind Faith, their first album, or their first, sorry, their first concert was, was actually videoed. It's the only video of mm-hmm. a concert they have. It's in Hyde Park in London. And they did a song called In the Presence of the Lord. Yeah. And if you ever fall out of touch with music, you need to find a song like that for you. That's my song that brings me back to there's something. Every time I watch it, I feel the same way. Like it touches me way, way. I get goosebumps talking about, thinking about, you know, a, a song that somebody played in a park. 51 years ago probably mm-hmm. um but and it's an anomaly you know for for a band like that to to have that kind of i guess it was during that 60s spiritual awakening but still um so what is i always get this mixed up secular and non-secular which one is which Secular is the non-religious okay. and non-secular right. is the so, religious so yeah a secular song can move you to the point of salvation right. or, or religious or religious experience. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, and it, it, it's a song about finding your place in the world and, and being okay with you, mm-hmm. with who, you know, with how you're going like, to, I found a place to live, mm-hmm. you know, in the presence of the Lord. So that's, um, to me, it's not a, a, a religious song at all. It's a, it's a secular song. It's just about, you know. Well, it doesn't have to be. Right. The yeah. feeling of the song overtakes anything yeah. that the words are saying. It's just not that the words don't mean anything. But right. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's just it's it's a, what that well, song creates. the power of music and yeah. how it can move you. It's a very young man talking about how he's found a place to have some peace in this crazy world that he's living in with the upheavals of the 60s, with him being a young, young guy oh thrust God. into the limelight. Um, I mean, and. Free love, free drugs, free everything. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as a star, when your first, when your first performance as a band is attended by as many people as you can see, yeah. then you're you're big. You know, because right. that was Eric Clapton, Steve Winwood, Ginger right. Baker, and a, a phenomenal bass player, and I don't remember mm-hmm. who it is. Oh God, oh, I can't remember the fella's name either. I mean, I'm a bass player. I know nobody remembers the bass player's name. <laughs> I always loved the old uh, early uh, recognition of Steve Winwood. Is 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 uh, the talk around uh, England was that? Uh, have you heard the 16 year old from? Yeah. Sounds like freaking Ray Charles. Yeah. You know, and you listen to it. You know, the Spencer Davis. He was the. He was a singer on the Spencer mm-hmm. Davis. I'm a oh, man, yeah. and uh, nobody could believe it was a 
16 year old white 16 boy. 16 year old white English yeah. lad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It sounded like Ray Charles, and it does. Yeah. You go back and listen to it. Well, that's just, you know, like when Alex Chilton, uh, yeah, big Chilton. star. Uh, yeah. Box top. When he was in the box top and, and cut the letter, and he was like 15 or 16 years old. There you go again. First time in the studio, and just cuts this vocal that. I mean, it has probably been in a hundred movies. Mm. It's been on the radio forever. I've heard it since I was like four or five years old. He so. came back and did all kind of different stuff. Yeah. With Big Star and then uh, even had a punk thing after that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, which that's a really good documentary. If you guys watch documentary, is the Big Star documentary. I have these, watched that. It's yeah. good. It's these called, guys, you can't hurt me now or something. These guys were brilliant at 16. What were you yeah. doing at 16? I was learning how to... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not not being cool. Yeah. Not not have I was not cover songs. Uh, not already ever the I was jacking off for the first yeah. time. Yeah. Well, I mean I got in there before sixteen. Well, but yeah. I was master I was mastering the hand switch anyway. You mastering it. Um well what was your first band's name? Because I got a oh, I mean, gosh. I think we've all got been in some bands yeah. with awful oh, names. I got some Horrible. Oh God! My first band's name was. Uh, I think we tried to shoot. Was right out of high school. It was me and Billy Ray and and Jake Lee, Jason Lee's daddy, mm -hmm. who was the drummer. Mm -hmm. I was the bass player and Billy Ray was the lead singer and the guitar player. <laughs> and, uh, power trio. Uh, power trio. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, uh, Let's see. I think we had a we had a vote on the the name of the band. It ended up being the Dog Hill Gang. Uh, since uh, since I grew up on Dog Hill, Mount Pleasant Road, and uh, I think Jake wanted to call it uh, Three Card Stud. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Can I steal that now? <laughs> Dog, Hill, Dog Hill Gang won out. And uh, let's see. The first uh, uh, working band, really serious band that I was in, was again with, with Billy Ray and uh, it was Sweetbriar. And yeah. uh, this spoon, this table right here that we're sitting at. It says, uh, I was looking at it earlier. It's on this side. And it's got Sweetbriar written in a big magic marker down the... Uh, Wow. The column of the stool, so. It's a coincidence, yeah. The spool. So you behind, got <laughs> behind us here real quick, Justin Mercer. I forgot he was in frame. But, yeah, uh, he's the producer who's killing me with alcohol right now. <laughs> he's plying a caution, drink. Caution Light Media, yeah. That's who we're doing the There's, I mean, podcast with. Well, I want to go back. Through, yeah, I want to get to my first band that I was ever in um, was called Good Riddance. And we played cover songs. We yeah, played man. some uh, Faster Pussycat and Motley Crue. at this time? I was probably sixteen. Uh, Why weren't we friends? Because we were in different <laughs> bands, and we, you know, like they're band, they're playing that song. Band y'all had high school bands. Yeah, okay. we're in high school. Yeah. We had a drummer that was older, you know, because he could afford drums. But we mostly played. Like we started out playing at. He was older, so he could afford. Two drums. of the guys in the uh, Preston Hardy and Chad Sermons were in the band, and they were cousins, and they were both Mormon. So we played at the Mormon Church in Pearson, Georgia, in that auditorium. And like the first, I think it was either the first or second gig. I would love for it to be the first gig. They have a curtain, so they 
open up the curtain and we start a song and Preston steps on his chorus pedal and it just farts out. <laughs> so they close the curtain and we fix everything and then they oh, open wow. the curtain and we start again. Oh, wow. But um, <laughs> that was actually a really cool experience because everybody was positive, you know, and there were girls there and they were, I don't know if, at the time, if they were a little older or if they were just feeding them something different, but there was a lot of stuff up top there that we weren't getting at high school. Um, those country girls. Um, Mormon country girls. So, um, and of course, everything was above board because there was 8 million, you know, uh, adults there to make sure you weren't doing anything. Yeah. But, but still, it was that first taste of being on a stage. Nice. You know, and having, you know, not knowing anything, I'm sure going back now, it just sounded like trash. But but playing the yard parties with Sean and them, playing the school dances and, you know, stuff like that. And then uh, he mentioned Jill Saracella. She opened up uh, her um, stepfather, Robert Kicklider, yeah. did a wonderful thing for us. Um, opened up a little club downtown called Sira Something. Yeah. And, a teen, uh, a teen club. A teen club. Wasn't that upstairs yeah. at the Carter House? Or? No, it was upstairs above KD's. Above KD's, oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and uh, I got to book bands for that. And uh, we'll get bands from Jacksonville. And we were like, man, Damn. we got bands. We got, yeah, but we got weirdo, bands, man. weirdo punk you bands coming from. promoter. Yeah. I still listen to some of those bands, dude. I, do too, I still man. listen to Gizzard. I still listen to Dampening. Those were some cool bands, man. Like and Dampening. I'm a and yeah, I'm still a musician. And some of the stuff I'm still like, those guys were geniuses at the time. I mean, uh, and then Sean's band. You know, like, I still have, I don't think they ever recorded anything that I'm aware of, but I still can, like, I can still sing you part of one of Slush Puppy songs. What? I can't even. Special, <laughs> special K. I don't the even. Song called Special I, I know K, yeah. there was a song called that. I know it was in Drop D, <laughs> but that's. All I mean, it I was a lot of Stone it, Temple was Pilots inspired by the cereal <laughs> or the I drug. Think, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. it was the so drug. You're, you're, not that we'd ever done any of that, but what we, was your first we thought band? it was cool. Slush Peppy. I guess we or the singer did. Slush Peppy was your first band. Yeah, that was my first. Yeah, that was my first. That was your first band, and that was. Jody? No, no, Jody no. wasn't in there yet. It was uh, Gus Fullard. And uh, for a week, it was Scott Paul. <laughs> and uh, Brett Garrett yep. from Waycross High playing the drums. And uh, Jamie Stewart. Yep. <laughs> Jamie Stewart. Shirtless yeah. Jamie, bass player. I, man, Jamie, that's my son-in-law. I know. And what's crazy is that's my first friend outside of my blood relatives. Ja I mean, like... I've never been hung up on bass players, but like Jamie was the guy in high school where I was like, I'm that skinny, but I'm not nearly that cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Man, he 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 went more rock than any of us. Yeah, he was like total like, shirt off. Well, yeah. Busting guitars like he's Pete Townsend. <laughs> yeah. But but they had they had a song. He, he still he still does that. Yeah. In the bedroom with your daughter. <laughs> Get it? Yeah, they had a they had a song. Um, they had a song called Special K, and I remember it went. Uh, 
I said, I want to come in. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and it was very, like, grungy, like, Stone Temple Pilot stuff. And it was like, it w- yeah. they sound like the other bands I'm listening to. And my band sound like bands that came out 27 years ago, like ACDC. Do y'all have that's, some, uh, that's why you were cooler than us. You were cooler than us. Y'all have any kind of recordings of the past? I heard a practice tape from that from then, a cassette tape that we'd recorded straight to cassette. And... uh it was us doing Junkhead from Alice in Chains. Yep. And a few other originals, I think. But uh, <coughs> I don't know who has that tape. I've got some VHS tapes of um, from that Kurt Cobain tribute yeah, show. Yeah, at, at, at Sears something. something. There was a Kurt Cobain. I was actually at that show, I think, so... That was pretty that, cool. That had Gus playing in another band. I forget what they were yeah, called. With Van Sickle, maybe, or somebody. Yeah. Did Gus, uh, was he like singer? Or yeah. He, yes. he didn't singer. play an instrument, right? He played a little bit of bass and guitar. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he, he... But he didn't with the band. He just sang. Yeah. He was, he was like a... I mean, to me, he was like the spiritual leader of the he, rock. He definitely... Band, yeah. He was. I mean, I learned a lot from Gus, like, as far as listen to this, listen to that. And he was the guy that football player, but just crazy mohawk guy or whatever he had that week. I mean, he was just stepping out there. He was a force. Yeah, he wasn't. Was I mean, he, I don't think he was pretending to be himself. I no. think he was just that Dude, guy. He was that. He when was, I was met him in seventh grade, he was yeah, that. Yeah. He was just like, you know, like a <laughs> professional television wrestler, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, full, full on all a, the time. Yeah. Like. Man, he was a character. He 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 was a character. He the uh, the swamp star that we use, our, our symbol for Pine Box Dwellers, yeah. was the slush puppy symbol. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. And when he and when he passed away, I started using that. But it was before slush puppy, about six months before I started using it on my solo flyers. And then we got the band, and I just uh, kept it. Yeah. But he yeah, told me cool. to come up with something with five question marks because we had five members for a week, and then when I'm dropped out. Yeah, <laughs> he's a five, you know, because all it was '90s, early '90s, and all the bands like Red Hot Chili Peppers, they always had they always had signs, you know, or symbols, mm-hmm. right? And uh, five question marks, and that's that's actually so what right the now thing it's is. four, right? With pine well, box. yeah, but I just I mean With pine box it's four. We kept yeah. the symbol the entire time, even after the fifth guy dropped out. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you know, pine the combination box. of the people. So yeah, it's just more of a. Remember it's a thing then. So that's awesome. A lot of history. A lot of history. And then yeah, I think my second band was like a speed metal band when I lived down in Florida. And then I was in a rap rock band called Mike Hunt. Um <laughs> Yeah. Say that fast. <laughs> and what's funny is that like I was the guitar player in Mike Hunt. <laughs> And then wound up like with a cheap guitar and a cheap combo amp. Wound up in Holly Hill, Florida at a recording studio with the producer for the rap group, the Alcoholics, cutting rap record, like playing guitar on rap records. And it's like, I don't know how to play, but I'm the only guy in the room that can play guitar. So they just like, but they literally like were like, get in the car. We're going to Holly Hill, and at the time I was like, "Cool, 
like now I'd be like, when am I going to be back or going to have lunch? You know, I mean, I kind of miss that, you know, being a, being a working musician is a lot different now, I think, you know, than being those, those early days when you were just happy to, that somebody wanted to hear what you had to, to play, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna have to piss real quick. So I don't know if there's <laughs> a cut off. I don't know if there's a break point right here, but it like took a, took a <clears throat> go ahead. We'll be right back. Is there anything we need to adjust? Anything? Something in my blood starts to take a hold. Something in my bones start to lose control. Something in the water gonna make me whole. Point would uh, like to uh, thank uh, DoorDash for supplying us with some uh, uh, victuals. Fast chicken. Fast. Super fast. Popeyes Louisiana chicken. Alfonso. Loud. Yes. Thank you, Alfonso, our DoorDash driver. So, uh, carrying on with the discussion now, uh, 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 we talked about how. We're uh, over a hundred years of music uh, history right here, music experience, <laughs> and uh, uh, we're also songwriters. All three yeah. of us are songwriters, yeah. and uh, yeah. we've all written songs together. We've, we've co-written together quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, uh, I think it's the only one that. The, the three of us may have co-written together, maybe not. I was saying, but the one that uh, stands out to me is uh, uh, one night over at my house. Uh, we had a couple of guys from North Georgia, Fester Haygood and uh, Levi Lowry, two exceptional songwriters. Hey boys! Hey boys! <laughs> had come down and. Uh, uh, we gave him a bedroom to stay at the house and uh, invited Sean and Jason over and uh, we proceeded to sit in the living room and uh, see if we could write a song together and sure enough we we came up with something uh, called uh, Trembling Earth Trembling Earth mm-hmm. and that was that a magical was, night. That was that fun. Was, that was fun. It was. So we all had a part in it. Yeah. And Justin and uh, Carrie from Caution Light Media were there earlier in the night, you know, right. ca- capturing some live stuff. Yeah. Um, That's not, we had Pakistani food. Yeah. 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 Uh, Dave's <laughs> wife, Miss Lynn, she <laughs> made Pakistani food and it was fantastic. And I've been kind of after it. <laughs> so uh, two of y'all have written together as well. Yeah, we've written a few songs. We've we've th- thrown away some, but I think Sean's recorded a couple of them. Uh, one's called "Rainbows on the Pavement." Yeah, song. And uh, "Drifters Blues." We're going to do on the next album. Yeah, "Drifters Blues." That was that was a that was a funny tale. That was a really good lesson for me in songwriting because the song started out as uh, with my idea of uh, 
a guy getting his heart broken and it feeling like um, Elvis Presley, Hank Williams, and Jesus – or no, Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, yeah, Dale Earnhardt, Hank Williams, and Jesus all died at one time. Yeah, you came to my house and was like, this is the – Yeah, this is the line, I man. got a line. And then by the time we got done with the song, <laughs> the line wasn't in it anymore, but all of the lyrics were based around that line. Those three? Yeah. Yeah, about yeah. those three. Like so. every, every line we switched about – all right, this one's about Jesus. This one's about Dale Harnard. This, this one's, one's about, about Hank Williams. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, we took that line out, and then it's like kind of. Yeah, it wasn't quite so on the nose. I mean, like uh, Sean taught me something about you don't have to be on the nose. You don't have to overthink it. But also, be abstract as well. Yeah, let let the listener have something to make for them to connect with in their life, and not you just shoving it right, yeah, you know, yeah. right in their face. So, yeah, that's a great song too. So, um, <clears throat> and Rainbow's on the pavement. You you spawned that whole song because you came over and was like, "I got one line." Yeah. Rainbow's on the pavement. Yeah, I was like, "All right, let's there do we it. go." You know, you know. Sometimes that's all it takes. Well, that you know, what's hard? Any more of the songs I write are kind of birthed out of being a working musician because you see things, you see people. In their, they don't know you're watching them because you're on stage. Right. So you see everything happening, and you can see, like, this guy and this girl are going to wind up together before the end of the night, and these two are going to fight before the end of the <laughs> night. And, and, you know, these, you know, and it's corny. Like, <laughs> as I've gotten older, I've gotten corny, but I always tell the guys, you know, when I'm playing in a band, like, there's no show too small. If you're going to play the show, you got to play it. Because it's going to be somebody's first date or somebody's last date or the first time, you know, somebody may not be able to take their significant other out, but once every couple of months, they may have three or four kids sitting at the house. And you think that's um, kind of like, you know, a, a cheesy or corny maxim to play by because you're playing in front of a bunch of people getting drunk mm -hmm. until you get an email that says, I'm a 32-year-old widow um, whose husband died unexpectedly, and I have five kids, and I never thought I'd find a man again until mm -hmm. I met him at your show. Yeah. <laughs> and the wind goes out of your body, and you just sit there for a minute going, thank goodness we didn't just call it in that mm -hmm. night, you know? Or, or when you live stream a song to a guy in Afghanistan because his wife is there, with her family and they weren't planning on watching your band, but then you started playing and, and she asked you to do a song for him and you're right there. And there's something about it that moves you yeah. because music moves people, you know, yeah. and you realize that you're able to give something that you've always taken from others. You know, when you go see a, a concert and you feel that feeling, well, people do kind of feel that when you play music, you know, it's not being grandiose or cocky or anything. I mean, they really, you know, you and the other guys you're playing with are, are joining together to create an, an experience for somebody. Mm -hmm. And if you don't take it that seriously, then you just need to stay in a garage, to be honest. Uh, is as insignificant as you, you might tend to think it is, it means something. It means something to uh, the people out there. That's what you got to keep in mind the whole time, you know. The, the show always goes on, you know, and it's hard. Sometimes, surely. But, uh, I mean, so uh, 
Yeah, there's. I uh, mean, my God, y'all are killing it out there. I mean, as far as shows go, y'all are working all the time. Yeah, I mean, we're. And it's, it's, it we're can be lucky. hard. Yeah, lucky, lucky to be playing more than we were for sure. But um, and you're pine box dwellers now. Yeah. Pine box dwellers, mm-hmm. and got a great great following of people yeah. and uh you know y'all do great i mean we're just you know with my band we're just getting kind of started two and a half years in y'all been grinding away at it for a while and you're uh justin justin spivey justin justin spivey band yeah, yeah. Y'all um, killing it too, man. um and we kind of do different things all three of us do different things as far as the live arena these days mm-hmm. sean and his band have a cajon a very swampy earthy sound uh, my band's a little bit more two guitar modern country, which is really rock and roll guys. And uh, you know, Dave's you know kind of doing the solo acoustic thing these days. You know, yep. Um, though you've made one of my favorite albums ever, two of my favorite albums ever actually, American Spirit, which my son can sing all the way through. By the way, <laughs> as a twenty year old who shouldn't care about you know Americana roots music, yeah. but. Um, mostly what he listens to is like Japanese pop, but then he knows your record and he knows <laughs> Neil Young Harvest pretty much all the way through. And, uh, and then, you know, um, the new Fanglers that you did with Sean right. and then Sean's done a couple of albums that I really, really, really like. So, uh, even without any of my songs on them, you know, so, um, I'm, I'm blessed to be in the, in the company of, you know, of giants here. So. Mm. Big fish, little pond. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, that. this pond has a lot of folks in it. That's why I, I wanted to, about five years or so ago, I guess, I wanted to make a documentary about the music here before it before it died out. And thank goodness it hadn't died out. But then, you know, life got in the way. I went through a rough time, and um, I got a divorce, and I just didn't have the confidence to go through with it. Then my sons came and lived with me, so that put a little bit more financial burden on me. And then, and then I joined a band, and like you know, it's uh, a lot of time. It's you a lot of time, but yeah. you know, in a way, something like this or a video series, it seems to be better than full-length documentaries because you're so. I was so thinking like. How do I put all of these people and all these stories and all these things in 75 minutes, 85 minutes? Mm. And knowing I had to use, you know, Justin and Carrie and their time and everybody's time and effort and and all that stuff to do this, and it might not turn out right. Whereas this, you know, whether it be, you know, a video podcast or a a songwriting series or a, a storytelling series or whatever, this can be tweaked along and along as it goes. And I think that's amazing that it was never about ownership. That's why I used Sean's song title, Something in the Water, because I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted other people to be interested and excited and realize. But the minute we started talking about documentary, people started going, I'm going to write a song. <laughs> I'm writing a song. I mean, it really <laughs> did rejuvenate something. And that's not getting on, you know, for me. I mean, yeah. Sean and I were the ones who were talking about it, and I think it was just a point of, you know, understanding that new music was there to be made, and we've heard some great artists that have come out around that time anyway that made us believe that that music was still vital and important, and it wasn't just, you know. So the documentary was uh, basically going to be about uh, uh, Waycross music. Yeah, the the musicians that are here. 
tentatively titled Something in the Water. Right. Which is the name of this podcast. Yes, so it's it's all the same. Which was the name of a song that Sean wrote. And I wrote the song about there being a lot of talent from Waycross. <laughs> That's something to work because there's so, a ton of yeah. talent, you know, and, and, and not a lot of it has gotten out. Yeah. But there, yeah. you know, I've, I've lived in other places. I've had other people from other places come here and go, how do y'all have so much talent in one spot? It's ridiculous. Well, I heard that too. Like every time somebody comes here, it's like, Man, there must be something in the water. There must be something. Well, in the water. I've always maintained that, but yeah. not in a in a. In a I mean, we always talked. Yeah, we always talked about it amongst ourselves. I, like, man, there's a I've lot of people from to here. A lot of music outside of Waycross. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think I'm a pretty good judge of music, and I know what moves me and what don't. But uh, I swear to God, there's there's something about Waycross. There's uh, <laughs> everybody from Waycross is different. But everybody from Waycross sounds like Waycross. Like, it's, it's weird, yeah. you know. Uh, um, I don't know what that is, if you could bottle like it up. but How to put the finger on it or anything, but uh, uh, it's uh, something that I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of uh, this town and this, uh, this uh, musical family, you know, because there is... Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, community spirit uh, among the musicians mm-hmm. here, yep. and that's you're the ringleader of all that. Yeah, you're the. We well, don't know now. about that, but uh, it's, you're, you're uh, wavy it's, gravy, man. It's good to be a part of. It's good to <laughs> oh. be a part of. I mean, there's a little bit of explanation. You know, Waycross is a railroad town, yeah. and people came from all over to go in the swamps and 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 build the railroad. It's and at the evening the time, grows. all they had to do was, you know, bring their few little instruments that they have and play music. And then the railroad caught on, you know, people worked there. So there's, there was actually a town you didn't want to leave because you could get a good job, but there wasn't else, anything else to do. So you play music. And then, you know, I remember growing up and there being old people, and I mean old back then. That could play music that would just scald you, bluegrass music, gospel music. Um, about eight miles away from here, there's a big, you know, there was used to be a big enclave of of, of uh, uh, shape note singers. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know the Sacred Harp hymnal. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my daddy's Sacred Harp hymnal at home, and he was born in 1930. So I mean, there's a there's a long history, and when we were doing some filming, when we were trying to you know, work on the documentary thing. Somebody asked or, or, or something came up one time about, you know, why is so much of the music here, you know, based around the trains? Like Sean's music is, is a train beat, mm-hmm. a lot of it, you know. I mean, not that all your stuff's the same, but, you know, those. I agree with that. Uh, that, that rhythm. And, and somebody said, I don't know if on accident or if they were just that wise, that it's because the trains leave town and the people never do. Mm. Oh, wow. So it's sort of the background, you know, sound to, of, our, our, of our town, you know? I used to say this joke. That's not very funny. Probably why I stopped saying it. But the, uh, I was like, man. I never stopped you, you before. If you're from Waycross and you leave, you're like, I want to get the hell out of here. And something pulls you back. And there's like, the conspiracy is there's in that, that's not a water tower. It's like a. <laughs> You got a chip in your brain, and like it draws you back. back. Yeah. Like you can't leave. You got 
There's something in the water tower. <laughs> something, in the, <laughs> something in the water tower. Exactly. Okay. Well, well, I can vouch for that because <laughs> I have I have left Waycross several times in my life. Since, I have too. Since I'm... graduating high school in '71, yeah. and uh, I've always come back. I've. Uh, I had uh, you don't know how cool it is to you leave. I've had three marriages <laughs> in this town, and or sometimes uh, it's just convenient. And uh, I reared a couple of children, and uh, had a lot of jobs, and uh, now I'm retired, and uh, and I can't leave. I just you know, I just can't leave, and there's there's a pull, and. Uh, I don't know what it is exactly, but uh, some folks a, call it crazy. <laughs> I think it's an underdog thing. Like to me, it's like that. You know, the path of recent. You know, they they don't want it to happen. They don't. I, there's a lot of people that just push everything down. But it's like I'm gonna make music happen here. You know, mm-hmm. to make that happen and. And there is a cool scene going on, but it's really only enjoyed by a circle of people, really. Yeah. Yeah. But well, I, I just accept the challenge. As long, <laughs> yeah, challenge accepted. Uh, as long as, uh, as long as we're happy, and uh, as yeah, long not, as I might the, be speaking the people out of school, that are but. following <laughs> Pine Box Dwellers, the people that are following Justin Spivey Band, and and Uncle Dave Griffin following uh, Uncle Dave's traveling road show uh, are happy then uh, that that's all right with me so here's one thing I think one of y'all might know this and the other one doesn't but I went to see uh, you asked me about what I was listening to currently I went to see Coulter Wall uh, a few weeks ago and I wanted Mm -hmm. to go to that and uh, Wade Sapp was opening it up. Yeah, the guy opened it up. I didn't know him, and he's not from here. He's from, I think, Okeechobee, Florida, and then went to Atlanta, and maybe he's in Nashville now. But he's a guy named Wade Sapp. And mm-hmm. after he played, I took a smoke break and went and talked to him for a minute. And he kept looking at me, and he, you know, and him and his his buddy. And anyway, they they got to asking me. They were like, "You're you're are you from Waycross? You know." They were like, you were filming that new Fangler show that they did at Tipsy McSway's in Brunswick, and we were there, and I want a copy of that tape. And I'm like, man, I can't really get it to you. But but it's weird. I go see one of the guys that's inspiring. I'm going to see one of the guys that's inspiring me. You know, a guy that's a real throwback. And his opener is wanting to know about Dave and Sean's music. You know, and they're, and they're just effusive. Um, with real praise and with real knowledge about it. They weren't trying to make me feel better or feel cool. Um, and uh, when you hear it from people that are working, when you hear it from people that's, that 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 really write good songs, like when Levi Lowry covers one of your songs on his album mm. and he can write them all day long, that means something, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that really does mean something. Um and uh, I mean, you're not a great writer for Waycross. You're a great writer, <laughs> yeah, for, for the world. Anybody? Wow. And there's songs that yeah. you. I mean, like I don't like it any more than you do, 
but there are songs that you play that make me go, you know, that just make me turn inside out. And I can't, it's hard to reconcile knowing somebody that's making you feel that way, but I mean. Well, that's mighty kind, buddy. Well. Um, but uh, that's what I'm saying. I feel the same about y'all's work, you know. Uh, we've got a, we've got a family here. Yeah. And uh, we all feeding off one another. And hopefully, uh, it has, uh, uh, you see, I'm, I'm, uh, Getting on up there in uh, in age and everything, so hopefully uh, one of y'all's gonna kind of bust through and and make this thing happen and shine a little light on Waycross, right? The Waycross music, I'd love to see that happen. It would be it would be nice. It's not too late for you to do it. That's so, Mister Pocket. Um, <laughs> now, one thing I did notice is that you know when when kind of mainstream radio collapsed pretty much, I mean, I guess it's still out there and, and MTV was gone and the internet took over and everybody was scared. You know, how is anybody going to hear our music? There's a billion bands, but then, um, Justin Mercer, the guy who's recording this tonight is caution light media started doing these little videos. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know on the inside cause I haven't done any of, you know, my songs or anything, but, how has that affected y'all as artists? Um, and it couldn't be any better to have this guy, which, by the way, came up to me. No, wait, he, he messaged me first on Facebook. And uh, this long thing, you know, I don't even know who this, I don't remember, I'd met him before, but I didn't even realize. And uh, this long thing about, hey, I'm just starting this thing. And if you know him now, like, He's, there's probably more words in that <laughs> than, than he has actually said to me in person. So then when I ran into you at the fair, uh, you come up to me and say, hey, man, that's me. You know, let's do this thing. Let's do some videos. And and I'm just thinking, I don't have any money for this. And he's like, no, I just want to do it. I just want to do it. And, I mean, you know, we've, we've paid you since then a little bit. But, uh, I mean... Shoot, man! You you come along and just have gotten better and better and better and better, like just from week to week, and we're already good, you know, out the gate. But it's just been such a blessing. Then you move two blocks away from me, so thank you. Thank <laughs> well, you. I mean, and to, and to see somebody like gives us an outlet that you know we can record something and put it out, and it sound decent, and not have to go to Nashville to make an yeah. album. To see somebody start, you know, with video. And then they're producing some of the best audio you've heard. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, I watch KEXP and all those videos. They ain't got nothing on, on Mercer. I'm serious. I mean, like, the, the, the audio <laughs> well, is, is – we, we did our album. It draws man. you in. I mean, it really does. You feel like you're in that room. Um, it's not overproduced. It's not underproduced. It's, you know, he's done stuff for my band and nothing but – Well, he's, he, he's – friend he's, of, he's, of, of the musical community and uh i didn't know who the hell caution light media was when it uh when i started seeing it for the first time about three years ago and uh 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 come to know uh justin and carried on and uh worked with them and uh they filled a void and and they they're huge huge friends of the local music community and, and, and helping us get our songs out there 
to a larger uh, public. And uh, uh, one thing uh, that I've noticed that since I've worked with y'all is that I've gotten a lot more marriage proposals from uh, strangers. And, uh, well, I, how, how a guy as good looking as you was, oh, was yeah, so yeah. nervous around video cameras. I remember that Sean's uh, kitchen, I think, was the first thing we like hoodwinked you into coming so over. when I dropped my book. Uh yeah you we we there was some there was some liquor flowing that night yeah but uh <laughs> you did uh the light up above what's the name of the yeah, song uh let's see uh yeah that's a good yeah one. shine a light shine a light shine a light yeah and uh, not the Rolling Stones tune or whatever <laughs> but this song called shine a light and we I never heard the song didn't know it existed and I didn't know what I was about to hear and. When you're sitting there trying to hold, I don't remember if I was holding a light or just being in the way, but I just remember like, all I want to do right now is sing along to this, and I can't, you know, <laughs> like I can't do it, you know. You can go um, to Caution Light Media and see this video, by the way. Caution yes. Light Media, YouTube, yeah. Caution Light Media, Channel Light. Yeah, Dave Griffin. Um, but seriously, um, amazing and, songwriter. Amazing. I appreciate it, y'all. And since you retired, you you're an author now. Yeah, I wrote this book right here. Actually, I started blogging on the internet, and then uh, a publisher came along, and I was able to do a little uh, paperback book of about twenty five of my stories, and uh, uh, it's a lot of fun. Tales of the week. Yeah, you were doing a. Uh Week, weekly thing on the, in the yeah, newspaper. Yeah. Weekly the, thing in the newspaper. The newspaper, the newspaper uh, died. Uh, I got out right before the newspaper died. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, uh, why don't you take us out with uh, one of your stories? We'll go in uh, a whole story. Yeah. Well, that's what it's I want to do for the podcast. I want you to uh, read every one of your stories in in order. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> Read the whole so, book. Yeah, let's, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> You'll start at the beginning? Start at the beginning. Start at the beginning, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll work through it. And uh, you just lean in on that microphone, and we'll, we'll uh, make sure this lasts forever. Okay. Now, are we going to do any kind of cut here or focus, or should we just try to not look stupid while he does this? Yeah, the latter. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll leave that in. Edit too. this I'm out, I'm sure. Well, tell us, tell us what the name of the book is. Name of uh, the book is Tales of the Week from Dog Hill to Tripoli and Back, and W E A K. Yeah, Tales T A I L S of the Week W E A K. We'll play on words there. Chapter 1. Considering all the fear and hate-mongering our politicians love to incite and love for us to participate in, I expect I, if anyone, have a most valid bone to pick with a small group of Middle Easterners. Back in 1958, my daddy, a 20-year Air Force man, was stationed in Tripoli, Libya. That's tip-top in the middle of the continent of Africa bordered on the north by the beautiful Mediterranean Sea and on the east by the Sahara Desert, my wading pool and sandbox for a couple of childhood years. 
Now, being four years old when we arrived there, you'd think it would be quite a culture shock. But I couldn't have told you whether I was in Cairo, Georgia, or Cairo, Egypt. I did notice an abundance of camels and sand. It was a beautiful land, rich in ancient history and filled with exotic aromas. We lived in an apartment compound in Tripoli with neighbors of all ethnicities, American, Italian, French, and British. There were two Arabic landlords who lived in rudimentary shacks in each corner of the compound. Our landlord was Ali. The other landlord, Muhammad. I'm serious. A huge wall surrounded the apartment compound with a couple of steel gates for entry and exit. Standing on the balcony of our second-story apartment, you could see shards of glass embedded atop the wall, multicolored and gleaming in the midday sun. Inside the apartment, I have to say we were very American. Mom and Daddy were from South Georgia, Hoboken and Waycross. So we still ate biscuits and fried chicken with the occasional spaghetti supper. Though we did own a handsome Telefunken stereo console cabinet that Daddy bought while stationed in Germany, which housed an AM-FM shortwave radio and a turntable that played 78, 45, and 33 and a third RPM records. In October 1959, Daddy brought home a Marty Robbins record. El Paso. I was helplessly drawn into the melody, the stunning harmonies of the Glazer Brothers, the cinematic storyline, and I'd lie on the floor, chin in hands, listening and watching the cowboy die in Felina's arms over and over again. Grady Martin, the acclaimed Nashville session guitarist, provided the eloquent Spanish guitar licks throughout the song. Martin is credited with accidentally stumbling onto the electric guitar fuzz effect during a recording session with Robbins in 1961. His guitar had been run through a faulty channel in a mixing console, generating the distorted sound on Don't Worry. Martin also supplied the memorable guitar line on Roy Orbison's Oh Pretty Woman, he played on Red Foley's Chattanooga Shoeshine Boy, Willie Nelson's On the Road Again, and Ray Price's For the Good Times. Like most kids in the 50s, I was well into the cowboy ethos and fancied myself a good candidate to outdraw bad guys and rope and ride with the best. How foolish of me, for I was in the land of Alibaba. You know, the 40 thieves, that kind of thing. On Christmas Day, 1959, I received a brand spanking new cowboy outfit from Santa Claus. So I ambled out of the apartment, across the compound, and shimmied up the big iron gate that transformed into my stagecoach. Just about then, four or five young Arab boys had gathered beneath me, speaking in a language I couldn't quite put a finger on. Before I could say yippee ki yay yay they reached up, stripped me down to my socks and underwear. Gone was the pearl-handled gun and holster. Shiny boots, silver spurs, rugged chaps, and childhood innocence. I kicked and yelled for all I was worth until Ali, the landlord, finally made it out to see what all the fuss was about. He was too late. They had absconded with the goods. 
and tore out to wherever it was they called home. It was devastating back then, but I've forgiven them in my heart. I figure somewhere in Libya, a Western cowboy culture was created <laughs> with rodeos and Arabs riding camels shouting, Jihad, instead of Yeehaw. <laughs> yep, I reckon so. That's awesome. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Hey.